and welcome to Hit the Bricks. Everything that's interesting about Guthrie, Oklahoma. I don't know if we're gonna be able to find anything interesting on this show. I don't know, man, but I am sitting in a rocking chair. I know. So I'm so mellow right now. That's Justin Fortney, I'm Chris Evans. He's the more comfortable. I came sit down. I didn't get here at noon today. I should have. Whoever gets here first gets the rocking chair. Is yeah. in the rocking chair today. I'm <laughs> fighting it here, so. Uh, man, this, 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 Oh yeah, and uh, for video audience, uh, we have uh, the Easter Bunny. Yeah. What's no. Easter Bunny's name? Leonardo. Leonardo. Leonardo's here today with yeah. us. Wait, so where are we? <laughs> we're o Oklahoma Mini Mill. Oklahoma Mini Mill, yeah. 1324 North Wentz. Yeah. You're good with numbers. Between Missy's. Yep. And the high school. Correct. Yeah, so if you head north out of downtown Guthrie, on Wentz, you'll hit this place, and we'll talk with Van and Sherry, the owners here, in a little bit about like what this place does. And it, like, this is one of those hidden places that does some really cool stuff that you would never imagine. Absolutely, you know? we're we're gonna be talking for a little bit and probably bore you to death. But stay tuned or fast forward to the part where we talk to them because I just got a little mini tour of what they do here. And it is amazing, truly amazing. I mean, you would think this was in like somewhere in Pennsylvania, I not have, in Guthrie. I have no idea what you're talking about because I'm just watching the rabbit. Watching Leonardo. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, man, yeah. So it's there's some cool stuff as you can see behind us for our video audience, but uh, it's gonna be exciting. Yeah. It's been a a, a wild couple of days in Guthrie. It really has, and uh, I'm looking outside, and <laughs> there might be a few more wild days coming ahead of us. But uh, yeah, the rain, the rains, and We've had in Logan County a couple two three tornadoes come through, yeah. but a lot of rain. Yeah, historic flooding. Um, if you're not familiar with Guthrie, the um, the west side of town uh, uh, got a lot of uh, a lot of rushing water through it. The Cottonwood Flats and the Cottonwood Creek really uh, got angry. It did, fierce. It was, and what was weird is we, you know we've seen floods on the west side, but and we've seen water come out a little bit on Division Street, but I've never, you know, there in the past it's gotten further, but it hadn't done that in a long, long time as Division Street flooded. Snake Creek slithered out onto Division Street, mm -hmm. uh, right in front of Sonic, and then kind of went out a little bit, but, you know, that was shut down for several hours. Oh, yeah. And just looking at, um, if you're standing on the new bridge going across from east side to west side and west side to east side, uh, standing on that bridge, looking out over Cottonwood Flats, it looks like the Mississippi River. Yeah. It's just hard to even describe how much water that is. Well, the flood, flood, st flood stage is 22 feet for the Cottonwood Creek over uh, on the west side. It got the 27.4, which is above major, and it, at all time it comes in at number eight for that location, at all time flood at 27.4. The highest was 30 feet, so I'm at... There's a difference uh, between 30 and 27.4, but not a huge difference. But If there have been seven floods bigger than that one, then I, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah, uh, it actually tied It tied one. Like There was a big one in 95, a big one in 93, and then like 59, 49. Uh, I'm trying to remember some other ones. But everyone always talks about the 86 flood as well. So, uh, But this one, this one felt different just the way the timing of it came because... Uh, yes, it's going to flood, but we were thinking several hours later, mm -hmm. and then it's, when it starts coming out, because I was on, I was talking Tinny Maker, uh, and I, make sure we get out, don't get out of here without 
thanking all the city people. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I was talking to Tenny Maker on the 5th Street Bridge about 1.30, 2 o'clock-ish. And uh, I was able to walk halfway down uh, almost to the bridge. And so talked with Tenny, left, and went by Manor Wells Park and said, hey, I called Tenny and said, hey, the roadblocks are on the other side of the water now. Manor Wells is filling up to save it. And so I go home and come back later hear about Division Street flooding. I was like, ah, Mineral Wells. I knew it. It was up. It was coming out. Yeah. It wasn't Mineral Wells Park that came out on the road. It was Snake Creek. And so, and it's just how fast that happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, even just like if you're standing next to the water uh, and, you know, taking pictures or whatever, it just took like a couple minutes for like all of a sudden, oh, my feet are underwater. Yes. And yes. You to keep moving. You and Aaron were out there when I was out there. I, I actually parked my truck at 10th and uh, at the car wash, 10th and uh, Noble, and started walking up there. And as I was walking by, I, I timed this day, about three minutes into the video, there's a little puddle on Noble Street. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's not good because I think it might go across, but I said, well, I got time. So I go up there and about, uh, I come back 27 minutes later and the water, the road is completely covered with water. Yep. That's just how fast that happens. And we were standing there and uh, I was talking with, uh, uh, the police chief, Don, and all of a sudden he looks at me and he goes, uh, you know you got spiders all over you. Mm. And it's one of those statements, <laughs> like when you hear it, your first like, reaction is, ha ha, you're, you're, you're a prankster, you buddy guy. Then I kind of like glance down and I'm like, oh my god, there really are spiders all over me. So like Mother Nature was uh, trying to get out of the way for sure. I, I didn't have spiders, but I had flying something that would stick to my neck. <laughs> Body slam it down. You gotta watch out for the flying something. They, so. <laughs> luckily they don't bite. They just stick yeah. to you. They just yeah. at you. But uh, yeah, it was it was crazy how fast that went. And uh, of course, you know, one of the side sidebars of the story is the eighteen million dollar bridge uh, that, by the way, is ODOT. It's not a city property. A lot of people get that uh, confused sometimes with city yeah. construction, but. Uh, ODOT deal, and they say this would withstand the 500-year flood. Well, it didn't last quite a year, but uh, <laughs> but you know it was a top 10 flood. I think if it's a top 25 yeah. or you know tw uh, 15 to 25 flood, I think it doesn't go yeah. across the roadway. But the bridge did a fantastic job. Yeah, bri bridge was great. Bridge. Yeah. It just didn't go far yeah. enough, I guess, with the bridge. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. So, so hey, but, I I did some um, scholarly research. Yeah, it's mesmerizing. Yeah, habit, right? Leonardo. Yeah, it's hard to focus. Um, so research I did, meaning I, I googled, yeah, like googled Guthrie floods, and I found a really cool article um, from the, the Dallas Morning News from 1908, uh, talking about one of the, the catastrophic floods in Guthrie, and um, all kinds of action happened with like the the railroad, uh, uh, you know, all the railroad lines were shut down and. Uh, one of the main railroad spaces between Oklahoma City and Guthrie got washed out, mm. and they instantly like sent in like this like hundreds and hundreds of men to like brace up the railroad line to keep the railroad because it was so important. Like if, if the railroad was shut down, the whole state shut the, down. The world, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, it was super wild to to, to read uh, some of the the action happening uh, in this article. You got Yama. <laughs> so, okay, preface to the rest of the show. Like, we're in a place that, like, you can bring, like, your llama fur and or, uh, hair, hair fur, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
sheep, whatever, and they do things to it to where you can make like a sweater. You can yeah. make a sweater out of llama stuff. Um, by we gotta bring it here first. And so since we're at this place, there's like you're, <laughs> you're shedding. <laughs> I've got a llama for like attached to me. Um, so a super interesting detail of this story. Yes. From this 1908 um, uh, uh, article from the Dallas Morning News, it mentions at the I can't believe they didn't lead with this. It's at the end of the article. So whoever it's this, burying the lead. They buried this lead so hard. <laughs> At the end of the article, they mentioned how a dead body was found um, in this, like up against the bridge of the Cimarron River, which is a little bit north of here. Uh, they found a corpse, and they couldn't identify it. But this gets exciting, okay? Um, and can I, just, can I just read it to you? This doesn't okay. turn into one of the oh, what's the guy that we talked about in the first week of the show, the the circus oh, guy um, on tour. Uh, 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 uh. Murdy McCurdy? McCur I'm a McCurdy. McCurdy. This is a different corpse. Oh, okay, all right. We have we have a we have a monthly quota for corpse <laughs> conversations. This is this is this month's uh, story. Okay, so um, on driftwood, which lodged against a Cimarron River bridge north of Guthrie, was found today the partially partially decomposed. I want by laughing at this. Yeah, it's yeah. a sad story. His partially decomposed body of an unknown man. Only oh, this is gross. Oh, only the backbone, thighs, and lower limbs have thus far been recovered, and identification is impossible unless it be made through a pair of dark-colored trousers. They don't say trousers anymore. No. Pants. Jeans. Um, yeah, but uh, he had dark-colored trousers which a, with a leather belt still held to the body. It is thought to be probably the skeleton... This is, this is where it gets awesome. It is thought to be probably the skeleton of Charles Littlefield of Georgia, a member of the National Bill Posters Union and an employee of Sells Flodo Circus, who was lost in the Rock Island wreck when the passenger train plunged through the Cimarron River Bridge near Dover, Oklahoma, a year ago. Oh, by Kingfisher now. Yeah, Kingfisher. Yeah. And it says the coroner had notified different people and da 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 to identify the body. So, the Rock Island wreck up by Dover, Oklahoma. This is another another awesome story. Um, I didn't have time to print this out, but if you look up um, uh, like news accounts from that day, uh -huh. people get cranky about like journalists and news these oh, days. Uh, you know, the whole way. Yeah, but. Like it, journalism is so much more accurate and reliable now. Yeah. In 1908, this the newspaper stories about that Rock Island wreck are so wildly different. You can uh, there was one from like Fort Worth that said like hundreds of people died. Um, it was this cataclysmic tragedy of epic proportions. Uh, it was a circus train, and so like not only did all these people die, but they were like. Uh, like giraffes and lions like floating down the Cimarron River. Then another account from, I can't remember if it was like Kansas City or somewhere, was like, yeah, nobody died. No big deal. They, like, it, it, you right. know, the train plunged into the, oh, settle down there, bunny. <laughs> Aaron just scared the bunny to death. Leonardo. <laughs> it's okay. It's just Aaron. He means well. He's, he's a friend. Uh, so, you know, these wildly different accounts. But evidently, like it really was like a, a, a pretty good-sized disaster in that at least one person died. We, we know that, what is it, what is it, what is it, 
uh, Charles Littlefield of Georgia um, was uh, presumed dead from this wreck, and then they think that he, they found his corpse a year later in the flood of 1908. Um, uh, the uh, another cool detail of this story. Um, uh, at a previous job that I had, I remember talking to one of the uh, the nurses at the health department in Kingfisher, mm -hmm. and she talked about how when she was a kid, the uh, uh, the locomotive from the train that fell into the Cimarron River uh -huh. was still you could still go to that spot, and they she would and her friends would climb on that locomotive in the Cimarron River, and they would go swimming and just like diving off of it into the water. Wow. And I don't know if like they eventually uh, were able to re recover it, or if it's just buried under like you know forty feet of sand now. But um, you, you, when you brought up that nineteen oh eight flood, it made me start thinking how big that would have been because there was people settling in that area down oh, in that yeah. area quite a bit. Obviously, wood structures type deal, and how how you know they don't have like three or four day advance warning. Hey. They didn't have sirens going off. Hey, it's about the flood here. Oh yeah. So I mean, obviously they can see it coming up, but how big, that, how many people were in town at that time? Yeah, and I've seen like old like, newspaper accounts from those early day floods, and like people died like yeah, norm, like regularly. It was like okay, here's a big flood, people just died. Yeah. Because they were so even where the um, where the Cottonwood Flats are now, that used to be like a you know good sized neighborhood that mm -hmm. you know has been turned into like a big screen space, but. Back in the the olden times, uh, those that those neighborhoods were flooded constantly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy how uh, these floods were. Hey, Aaron, by the way, before we go any further, did you get the bunny uh, Leonardo on the camera? Okay, oh, so people don't think we're <laughs> talking about our imaginary friend uh, running around here. Okay, uh, but yeah, I gotta give I gotta talk uh, big time about the city uh, uh, street department, Tenny and his crew, the way I saw them, I dropped kids off at school, and I saw them putting barricades out at 8.30 in the morning, and then I was leaving from flood coverage for my post to go home and do some uh, computer work at 8 o'clock, and the same guys I saw at 8.30 this morning were there at 8 o'clock at night, oh, yeah. commanding post, and, and that doesn't count going in, I think they went on Sunday <laughs> on their normal day off, and getting barricades in spots ready. So, uh, and then the street sweeper was out today. I mean, they, I mean, they do so much. What a lot of folks don't realize is that, like, when the street crew sets out those barricades, they can't just set them there and leave. They right. have to, like, every few minutes, okay, I have to move them back, move them back, move yes. them back. And yes. so it's constantly, it's just because, you know, you can't have cars going around the barricades. So those guys, once those barricades are out, they, they man them constantly for the next 24, 48 hours, yeah. constantly moving them backwards and forwards and yeah. Because the water comes up, you gotta move back. Mm -hmm. and make sure people don't drive through or yep. walk through because it's, uh, they, you know, I think I can think of three rescues that the fire department's already been on. The police uh, and the fire yes. crews have been busy the last couple of days, so uh, tip of the hat. Yeah, use their resources, those, those came guys. together and did, yeah. a, did a great job. It's. Uh, been a crazy it feels like a first flood coverage here because it was just so different because you didn't know how the new bridge was going to do right flooding on division i mean there for a while division was closed and west side was wide open usually the west side was always closed uh -huh. and division was always open and it was reversed this time yeah. there was more water on division than i've ever seen there before i know there's been more but not recent times sure and say what you want about the new bridge mm -hmm. whatever you think about it 
it does make for like a pretty fantastic like bleacher. Yeah. For like the entire town to sit there and, and or stand there and, and just watch the entertaining it was, go by. It was the first time I yeah. actually walked on the bridge. Yeah. In the walkway up and uh, both sides actually. So. And you don't really realize how long that bridge is until yes. you have to walk back and forth across it like three or four times. Yeah. And I, I, Aaron texted me and I'm like, I'll be right there. And like five minutes later, Almost there. Uh, I was doing. <laughs> I was doing my live video, and I go, okay, we'll take you up to the Cimarron. We'll we'll take you up to the Fifth Street Bridge. And by the way, that's the first time I've seen water go over the Fifth Street Bridge mm -hmm. that I can remember. And so I'm like, okay, let me cross. Oh, I'm about halfway done before I even cross because there's no water past the, the bridge. So I had to walk all the way up there, and all the way back. It was yeah. longer than I thought. Yeah. Hey, are you ready to talk with Van and Sherry about yeah. that cool spot here? This is uh, this is so cool coming up here that I have. 85 questions, 71 probably gonna be dumb, but I need to know. It's really cool. Absolutely, so we'll be right back with Van and Sherry French here at the Oklahoma Mini Mill. Welcome back to Hit the Bricks here at Oklahoma Mini Mill. Everything that's interesting about bunny rabbits. Leonardo, special yeah. guest today. As well as <laughs> oh, Danny yeah. Sherry French. Well, uh, man, uh, you guys have like a pretty like uh, surprising, I don't know if that's the right word, but like if you haven't actually walked into this place, it's hard to describe what happens in here. Mm -hmm. Like there's some serious machinery like doing some serious stuff. Like, tell us, like, in a nutshell, like, what happens in this place? What happens? Other than just magic. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, we process animal fiber. Um, we do custom work. People shear their animals and bring uh, the fleece in. We wash it, clean it, and prepare it uh, for fiber artists, either spinners or felters or... What kind of animals can I bring in here? Uh, Bring the fur, the wool. Right. Don't bring the animals in. Okay, you don't want to buffalo. We've had alpacas in here, okay. though. But the Fair bison, enough. bison, no bison. They're they're a little rough. You have a no bison policy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. People can bring their like whether it's a llama mm -hmm. fur or fleece. A fleece. God, yeah. I mean, fleece right. is a generic term. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, fleece is like fleece a much broader term than in, in uh -huh. fur. Right. So llamas, buffalo, sheep, yak, um, uh, camel, uh, musk ox, poodle, poodle. People are Alaskan saying husky. yak fleece. Mm-hmm. Where, who, who has yaks? We, we got some from uh, Bow Creek Ranch in Kansas, northwestern Kansas. Okay. Uh, most of the yak are, are raised much further north and west, in, in the northwest, because it's, you know, they, they like the cold weather. Yes, of course they do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> and so people from all over the place send fleece here mm -hmm. to Oklahoma Mini Mill. Like, what's the farthest place that's... Uh, uh, Upper stuff? Peninsula, Michigan, uh, New York State. Probably oh, wow. the most far flown we've had. So it's not like there are um, fiber mills, you know, on every block uh, in Oklahoma. <laughs> no. Are no, you guys we, the only one here in We the state? hear that there's a couple going to be opening up this summer. Whatever. You guys uh, are the, the yeah. originals. But we're the first. Well, no, actually there's been, t there's been two or three that have come and gone over the years. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So what they, when someone brings the fleece here, 
Like, what's the difference between what they bring you and what they go home with eventually? Uh, it's a lot cleaner to start yep. with, a lot smaller, more compact, and it's it's ready to work with. Uh, when they bring it to us, it's right off the animals. It's dirty. It's greasy. It's uh, you know, the, especially sheep. Washing washing a sheep uh, wool. Uh, you can lose 25 to 30 percent just in the lanolin that gets washed out of weight. So sheep are just funky creatures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Gotcha. Alpacas have a lot of dirt in them because yeah. so, they get they like to get down and roll yeah. in the dirt. Who doesn't though? Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you pet a sheep? It's been a while. <laughs> Do you remember a long while. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of sticky feeling because that's that sure. lanolin. Okay, which makes them like that's why they're so warm though. That's they, right, and uh, waterproof. Warm and waterproof. Yeah. Does she swim? I don't know. Like, I bet if you threw them in, they would do okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have I better bring this back face. around here. Right? <laughs> so, so they bring in the dirty fur, uh, fleece, fur, mm -hmm. fleece, and you guys take it from there by washing it. Mm -hmm. Take us through the process. After you, you wash them, and then you we wash it. Well, first we run it, put it in a tumbler, right. a tumble out extra vegetation and dirt and stuff and then we we wash it uh there's a machine called a picker that opens it up very hot water too right uh the sheep wool we wash at 180 degrees to melt the lanolin out so it's about your temperature yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. Hot tub. You, yeah you'd come out looking like a lobster you'd, you'd be going to the emergency room after that um and there's there's just there's about three or four machines that different processes to uh open it up and clean it out we have a fiber separator if it's got some animals have guard hairs, and so we have to get the guard hair out. If it's like got a lot camel. of camel, yeah, camel and bison, does. bison. We bison, ran bison yeah. through twice and lost two thirds of the weight in the guard hairs. But what we ended up with was really fine, soft. That hair. creates a no bison rule, right? Yeah, yeah the policy. I had, yeah. I had no idea bison were so high maintenance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you usually rumble the bison. You can't right. get close enough to to comb them out. Uh, Good so point. You get one harvest, and that's basically when you when you slaughter them. Okay, that raises an excellent question. If someone brings you bison fleece, how the heck have they procured bison fleece? A lot of times through uh, they they go to a, a processing plant, and when they're butchered, they, uh, they, okay. they shear the hide right there. That's, you can. It's put in a dark yeah, direction. They sorry. Sh they shed <laughs> in the spring, and people can you know follow them around the field and, mm. and gather it, gather the fluff, but that is very tedious. And that sounds inefficient. Yeah, yeah. 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 I would, I would charge a lot of money for be, my it'd be, bison In fleece. Oklahoma, it'd be blown in the wind. I mean, it'd be gone. You've had some really good questions. You've had some really bad questions. So you're, <laughs> hey, thanks. You're back in 500 today. <laughs> okay, so you wash it, mm -hmm. and then there's a couple other machines. What are those machines separated? How, what, are they, what do we do here? Well, the picker uh, picks it and op it's a picker slash opener. And it just, it's, um, should I get some fleece and have some examples here? What, will this some, no, no, some raw. Oh. No. The raw. Yeah. We're getting into this. I was trying. <laughs> I blew that one, so. While, while Van's getting that stuff, Sherry, like, not only do you guys do all this cool stuff with the, uh, the fleece, fleece, the fiber, there's also, like, some, like, cool, like, retail stuff. People can buy things here. Uh, whether it's, like, there's some cool stuff up on the shelf over here where you can like place things down on your uh, your flower bed to keep oh, weeds yeah. in, like a weed proof. Pr oh yes. Thanks. I will. Yeah. You have brought up all of our guests. We had Leonardo. We had. Yeah. Man, I, the, this 
Sorry, Sherry is going to bring over some, like a, a weed uh, preventer. It's called a weed block. Weed block, yeah. And we put it on gardens. You can right. cut out whatever you need. Right. And um, if a plant's here, you just cut out a hole and put the plant in there or let it grow through. And see, it's dirty. Sure. So it goes on the ground. It keeps the weeds out. It keeps the moisture in. And that was made out of kind of like uh, leftover stuff? Uh-huh. Like nothing, Stuff that, no, nothing gets wasted here. Right, uh. right. Nothing gets wasted. Even the floor sweeping, we keep it for a friend of ours who um, is building a house and he uses it for insulation. I think Norwegian and uh, Scandinavian houses do it with just wool. Oh, those folks are smart. Uh. Yes. So now you've got bags full of, like, this is just I like didn't have the, small batches. So. This is raw. Cool. And this this is, what is it? that's what a random mix. Oh, it says Jacob, so that's mostly that's some of her Jacob trimming. Here's so. Jacob. That's a Jacob sheep. Poor Jacob. Um, they have and they're spotted. two to six horns. They're pretty bizarre looking. Mm -hmm. Have you ever seen Jacob sheep? Yeah. Right on. And so after it's been washed, we put oh, yeah. it through the picker and see it took. See how tightly that is packed, and it's. Oily and dirty. Yeah, there's this, a, this, this first bag is a filthy mess. This is the same mm. stuff. I mean, it's okay. just been cleaned. Yeah. And we've run it through the picker, which opens it up. But then also, this yeah. went through another process called the fiber separator. And it turned it into a cloud and, and blended it more. So this, again, this is the same. This started out looking like that. So if you're just listening to this, it goes from a bag of like funky mess to like a like cleaner, but still just like kind of clumps of mm -hmm. like, uh, it's not nasty anymore, but mm -hmm. it's still just kind of a mess. Mm -hmm. Then you okay. got the, the, the fluffy cloud uh, see, bag there's, there's over here. There's bits of grass, there's vegetation in there. So this, yeah. helped, this took out the vegetation and blended it more. Yep. And then it and ends then up. that. This obviously is not the same, but this ends sure. up as a roving. Yeah, so the last batch, you get to like this clean, mm -hmm. like well-groomed. And, and all uh, of the fibers have been run in the same direction. Oh, okay, cool. And for hand spinners, they'll take this and draft it out and spin. So uh, if spin someone it, takes that yarn. final bag home with them, then they mm -hmm. can spin it into like a yarn. They can mm -hmm. they can make a sweater. Right. Or what is this? I'm, I'm holding like a kind of like a almost like a scarf. Scar. Kind and of that's felted. So felted. a lot of people will felt with this also. We have a wet felter, and so we make a lot of things. This has bamboo running through it, and it's soft. It's very soft. It's very long, and it's very lightweight. This is wool. This is a sheep wool. I don't remember what type. And this is alpaca. This is bacon. That's my bacon scarf. <laughs> so Oklahoma Mini Mill is like a really cool combination of like a manufacturing place and like an art hub. So mm -hmm. this is like an artistic and scientific mashup of stuff. Have some of our own products. We have a lot. <clears throat> a lot of what we have is we think of it as a um, it's like an art supply house, oh, a yeah. supply store for fiber artists. So, so if you're a fiber artist, <clears throat> you can come here and, and get your stuff. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. It's a really cool process. How how do you say, hey, I want to create this? I mean, I don't think those machines are at Walmart. So yeah, how, the, how, how, you how do you come up idea? with this? You guys have done so much in the town of Guthrie <laughs> over the years, decades. How did... You guys were running a copy shop the first time I visited mm -hmm. Guthrie. And yeah. then the snow cone stand before yeah, that. Yeah. I used to have a paint store and I did picture framing. Yeah. I was yeah. a wallpaper hanger for 20 years. So the French so Underground was the coffee shop. French Market. French, French Underground. Underground. Oh, French Underground. Because we were under yeah. the sidewalk. 
Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. So what about what time period was that coffee shop? 2000 to 2003 in there. 99 to 2003. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you guys really have done like a, a little bit of everything mm -hmm. in this town. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, so how, how did this come about? Um, through the wet filter, pour mm -hmm. hot water you on. Mean the business. How the business. Yeah. Oh, the business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. The business. We took it off of an animal and we yeah, lost it. Yeah. <laughs> did you have like a um, dream or something? Well, we had. I had the opportunity to, you know, came into some money, was able to get into a business again, and we were talking about, you know, what, what we wanted, and I you know, listed out some parameters, and one day Sherry just texted me and said, what about a fiber mill? And I went, hmm. So we started looking into yeah, it. Within and within 24 hours, we were ready to go. Yeah, and we spent nine months researching it. And within 24 hours, we'd made the decision. But, but, yeah. And your machines came from pretty far away, right? Prince, uh, Prince Edward Island, Canada. And we went, we went there uh, to visit the, the company that makes the machine, spent a couple of days seeing their operation. And when they delivered it here, the, the man stayed a full week with us and set us up and trained us and showed us how to maintain the machines and how to operate mm -hmm. them. And we visited about three or four other fiber mills around the country to see their operations, you know, before we got into it. So, and went to some fiber festivals and just got acquainted with the, with the community, you know. So. so how do you market yourself? I mean, how do people know <clears throat> this is here in Guthrie? Facebook. That's a good question, yeah. yeah. And um, it's the, uh, the fiber growers, the, the sheep growers and alpaca growers community uh, are like a lot of other, um, into, you know, well, I'm, uh, community, I guess, is the best way to say it. Sure. They're tight-knit. They know each other. Oh, yeah. And so a lot of it's through word of mouth. Which is the best way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not, there are, there are not many, I haven't been able to find any uh, outlets that I can directly advertise through them. So I have to just, you know, reach out into the best we yeah. can. When we, before we got open, um, I got sent an, an invitation to a sheep growers uh, page, a group on Facebook, and so I, I accepted the invite and went in. I've never been invited to one of those. I don't know, yeah. I don't know. You're so uncool. Yeah. <laughs> and when I got onto their page, one of the first things I saw was there was a recent post that said, hey, has anybody heard about that new fiber mill that's opening in, in Oklahoma? You're like, hey, I, yeah. I, I heard of it. And people were, they were chattering and going, what? No, where is it? I don't know, I think it's in Guthrie. I mean, they was just, we were, we were on the rumor mill already. So, so. it's really cool. Like those those tight knit communities are great for like spreading the word, but it's also kind of high pressure because like if you screw something Absolutely. up, yes, everybody gonna know about it. Mm -hmm. So you, it's mm -hmm. like it's you true. guys have to be good at your jobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well done. Does it feel like a job? I mean, I would think this would be kind. Of, I mean, it, I, feels, it doesn't feel like a job. It feels, it feels you know? like um, being able to create every day. Yeah. And um, so it's it's just lovely, just lovely. Now a friend, a friend of mine years ago told me that his idea of being is, in business is picture people coming up smiling and handing you money. They are, so right? that's that's what I've always shot for in business. <laughs> Never happened. To I haven't me. got there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to this, like uh, maybe more than any other episode, uh, we encourage you to check out the video. Uh, yes. Uh, episode of this because you, you can catch gl a glimpse of the different machinery and how that stuff works and the machines they use here are not it's not like, like a, a little bitty like sewing machine no. type operation <laughs> in the other room this is like real deal big pulleys and wheels and things that happen that um, 
Yeah, it's a it's a full on mm -hmm. factory in the yes. other room. Mm -hmm. So make sure you check out the um, the video. When, when we were filming some of this stuff earlier, it really reminded me of those old school Sesame Street videos. We're like you're kind of like following the machine through the, like the process. Yeah, and I felt like like a, like a little kid like watching Sesame Street. Uh, so just so you know, okay. uh, you might like take what we've shot today and send uh -huh. it on the Sesame Street and say, "Hey, this would be a cool episode." <laughs> I think it'd be money mm -hmm. for Sesame Street. Well, we got some. We could. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. Justin. Actually, we, uh, yeah. we can make some of our own Muppets. You know, there you with, go. The, with this stuff. <laughs> hey, hey, thanks for having us. Yeah. You guys got customers uh, mm -hmm. waiting on you guys, so mm -hmm. thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, so go. Ahead your customers and okay. um, we'll see you guys next week on Hit the Bricks. Oh, I'm gonna get that out, bro. Yeah. Coming home, coming home, coming home.